Greetings to each and every one of you uh, this morning. <clears throat> Back in, I believe it was March, um, in our district, in our Blue Ridge district, we sent out papers to as a as a survey to get your input about possibly uh, ordaining two ministers, two more ministers in our district. Um, we got very full support across the district to, to, to do that. And then in, uh, it was like the, near the end of May or the 1st of June, we, we sent out an announcement to that effect that uh, Lord willing, uh, as he continues to lead, we would plan to have an ordination for uh, two ministers on the first uh, Sunday evening of, of September with the nomination service or services uh, a week before that. Now, um, and I, di I didn't go back and, and look at the announcement just um, in the last couple of days, but um, that, that announcement. I believe it implied that uh, likely there would be two nomination services, may maybe one in, in this area and, and of course one, one at Harrisonburg. Um, we as a district ministry are still in discussion about some of this. And uh, we, we will let you know very soon, I'm sure, exactly the specifics. Uh, there is a, a regularly scheduled uh, Blue Ridge District ministers meeting tomorrow evening. And so we plan to finish the discussion at that meeting, along with some other things. Um, We said um, in one of those announcements, uh, the, uh, I guess at the, the, the beginning, uh, when we got your input, the needs are, 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 are here, are, are, uh, these are the needs. There's one minister in our district that's nearing retirement age, and so we uh, normally always plan for uh, an ordination along that time to, to replace the one that's nearing retirement. And then uh, since there's a... Uh, what, three churches in our district that have only one minister, or, or two at least, um, um, <clears throat> we thought it would be good to uh, ordain uh, another minister uh, to place in one of those churches. Uh, that way we have an additional, uh, one more minister in our district that would help ease the preaching load for, for some of our ministers. And uh, we said all that in the, in the survey that we sent out in March. And, uh, you know, you already read that. And like I say, it was a, a, a very, very full uh, uh, agreement to go ahead with this work. <clears throat> um, how, how, how can you be involved in this work? How should you be involved in this work? The, and, and I'll make a couple comments of that. Uh, very directly, but um, but uh, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm sharing this morning uh, what might be considered a pre-ordination message. In fact, uh, Brother Nelson Showalter and I talked about this, and we thought, you know, why not, you know, why wait until, you know, the nomination service, you know, that there are various congregations and conferences and fellowships that have ser several messages uh, before ordination time. 
and so we, we decided to gather, uh, you know, why not preach something uh, of that effect in, in, in our congregations in, in, in this district? And so, um, so that's what I'm doing here uh, th th this morning. How can you be involved? Uh, you might think, well, if there's no minister needed here, and I'm so far away from the people at Harrisonburg, uh, you know, I can't make a nomination. In fact, you'll be given opportunity to, to, to make, make, uh, make two nominations. Since we're ordaining, uh, we want to ordain two ministers, then you will uh, therefore be given opportunity to, to name two names. It'll be done with paper ballots. Um, so I would answer your question this way, you know, how can you be involved directly as far as making nominations? There are some of you that, that probably uh, that know uh, and have a relationship with or, or know uh, in a good enough way to, to name somebody that doesn't live here in South Boston. Uh, and one of the things we preach and say is, is that, you know, you, you need to, to know who you're nominating. Uh, you, you shouldn't just nominate somebody because they have a nice smile or, or you think they're a nice guy or something, uh, and yet you don't really know them very well. You should nominate those that you, that you know well. I, I'm simply saying that there's probably a, a good enough relationship that you might have with somebody that, that's not in this congregation or uh, that you know well enough that you feel like uh, through, through prayer that, that you, could, you could name such a person. That's a possibility. The other possibility is this. Um, um, even though Caswell is, is very small, um, as far as a, a minister that's, that's uh, 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 a regular minister there, uh, it's only one. We, it's true. Brother Eldwin is there, but he's there on, on, on assignment one year at a time. Uh, I mean, he's past retirement age, but uh, sometimes those past retirement age are asked to serve, if they would, uh, for a year at a time, and, and that's the state of Brother Eldwin. We all know that in the last half a year, he's had some rather serious health struggles. And so uh, I'm not here saying whether we would uh, uh, assign him for a, another year or not. I, I, I don't know. We, we'll have to make that decision uh, near the end of this year. But, you know, with this serious type of health, health struggles he's, he's, he's had, uh, you know, uh, he, he may not choose to, to accept another assignment. Uh, so that would leave uh, only one, one minister at Caswell. <clears throat> so uh, we, we would have to decide, uh, depending on what your nominations are and who's ordained uh, as to where they would be placed uh, and that kind of thing. So I, I'm not going to say more about that uh, uh, at this point. I'm just, I'm just trying to help us think, think together. Uh, what's more important uh, uh, maybe at this time and for this message is uh, several things I'd like to look at. I'd like to break the message up into, into three areas, and that is this. Prayer and fasting, number one. Number two, uh, 
methods and processes that we see in the, in the, in the New Testament, methods and processes for obtaining and assigning leadership, in other words. And then number three, uh, just take a little time on just looking at one passage on some qualifications for church leaders. So there's three areas. So let us begin, and I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me. Um, we're going to look at a number of, of passages in, in, in Acts. We won't start there, but we, I'm just saying we will. And, uh, and we'll turn to some of these two times. It, you know, we're in Acts just the first few chapters, so it won't be very far for you to turn back and forth. But we want to look at them as we focus on, first of all, prayer and fasting, and then again on methods and processes, and then another passage on, on qualifications. <laughs> Prayer and fasting in, in connection with choosing church leaders. Let's look first of all at the example of Jesus himself. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6, just simply two verses, verses 12 and 13. Um, If you you might have a little heading in your Bibles, as some Bibles do, that uh, uh, here in these next few verses, it's going to talk about uh, Jesus selecting the 12 apostles. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Wow, what an, what an example. I mean, that's Jesus himself. If Jesus himself, Jesus, God in the flesh, saw it important to go out by himself into the mountain. All night long and pray all night long before he chose the 12 apostles. If he felt the need and realized the responsibility to do that. How much greater I should feel the responsibility to spend time in prayer. In light of choosing leadership for our churches. Went into a mountain and prayed and continued in prayer all night long. And then he chose the twelve. Just turn back a few pages to Matthew chapter 9. We need to see this. Matthew chapter 9. Beginning at verse 35. Matthew 9, 35.
And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye. we've decided we need two more ministers in our district. Jesus said there was need for laborers in the harvest. Verse 38, Jesus speaking, Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's the command of Jesus himself. Let us pray before this ordination. Let us pray in the weeks between now and then. The example and command of Jesus himself. Now, let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts in chapter 1. I want to point out in in these few passages in Acts... uh, This that we're looking at, first of all, in the message, that is prayer and fasting, and I'll probably mention unity, because you you see that all through here. The, The union of the people, the working together of the people, the unity of the people, but especially uh, we're thinking about prayer and fasting before choosing leaders and among and with the choosing of leaders. As you see, I'm not going to read all these verses, but in, in Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse uh, 15, uh, no, beginning at verse 14, and then following, uh, as you just skim over that quickly, uh, you see there the, the choosing of one to take the place of Judas, okay, after Judas by transgression fell, um, then uh, in the early church, it was decided that they would choose one uh, to take his place. And uh, let me just read verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Okay, so you, you, you get the feeling there. You, you get the setting. You see what was happening. There was union. There was unity. They were together. They were in prayer and they were in supplication. And in that setting, they chose a man to take the place of Judas. So then we have Peter speaking. Mentions that in the next verse. And he he talks and tells about what happened and and what the need is and, and so forth. Look at verse 24. Verse 24. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen. We'll come back to this a little bit later. As I already said, we'll look at some of these passages twice. But right now I'm emphasizing the thing of prayer. They said, God... Here's some that we, we are recommending. God, we pray, show us who you would choose at this time. 
Chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. Here is the passage in these first verses of Acts chapter 6 where the uh, seven deacons were appointed, seven deacons were chosen. And uh, again, I'll come back, but um, just look at at verse 6 for now. Acts chapter 6 and verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. When they prayed. It's just beautiful as we look at these, you know, there's prayer and fasting. Uh, and, and maybe we haven't read fasting yet, but we're getting ready to, okay? Um, shall we commit ourselves? We must commit ourselves to prayer and fasting in light of choosing leaders for, for our churches. Chapter 9, Acts chapter 9 and verse 11. <clears throat> First of all, look at verse 6. As you see, this is about the uh, conversion of of Saul. Acts chapter 9. First of all, look at verse 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, there's his prayer. There's the prayer of Paul himself, of Saul himself. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Okay. Now, look at verse 11. Verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish, for behold, he prayeth. God was getting ready to give an assignment to Saul, a leadership assignment to Saul. And he was struck down on the road, and he was praying, God. I know it's you, God. I know you're calling, God. What will you have me to do? And then that's that's how uh, Jesus identified him in verse 11. He's a man that's praying. You go into this certain house, and and behold, you'll find Saul praying there, waiting for his assignment. Will there be those in our district Will there be men in our district that are, are called by God and they're praying, waiting for their assignment? Apparently he was also fasting. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. I take for granted that means he was He wasn't eating like normal. We'll say he was fasting. And uh, during this time, you can imagine uh, what was happening in his life. And there was things happening in his life that were probably uh, more important to him than food there for a while. And in verse 19, when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Let me just read the first uh, four verses of Acts chapter 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as uh, Barnabas and Simeon, that is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and 
Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein, whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Verse 3, you see there was prayer. Verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Fasting. Verse 3, they fasted and prayed. There was prayer, there was fasting. And the Holy Ghost worked. Chapter 14. Verse 23. Chapter 14 and verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Do we get the point yet <laughs> in the early church? There was prayer. There was fasting. There was a working together. There was a unity. And God did mighty things in providing the leadership they needed in those days. God is the same. I trust that we can feel parallel to what was happening in that day as we give ourselves to prayer and fasting and working together in this important work of choosing church leaders. Let's look now, secondly, at the methods and processes that were used in choosing these leaders. So I'm turning back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Concentrating and focusing on the methods and processes used. So in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 23. Here again, they're finding one to... Uh, to take the place of Judas in, in the, the 12 apostles. Verse 23 of Acts 1. And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas. Who was surnamed Justice. And Matthias. So here in our King, King James it simply used the word appointed. Um. You can look in some other versions or translations. There's a note in my Bible that says uh, that could, uh, you, we could use the word nominated there. They uh, nominated to. Um, 
in some cases, the thought is, or the, the term is used, put forward. They put forward these two. They proposed these two. Nominated, appointed these two. So they wanted one. They had two names. What did they do? They used the lot. The lot was used. What was the lot for? Was the lot to see who was qualified? No. No, it was not. Brothers and sisters, I already alluded to or said earlier, we, we need to know who we're nominating. We need to do it with much prayer and fasting. We need to do it in a very serious way. We need to nominate those not just because they, uh, they have a, a nice smile or, or they're a good guy or, or he, he, he can tell a joke or, or, or something like that, you know. We need to nominate those that meet the biblical qualifications. And then if it's more than we need, then we allow God to choose the one he wants to use at the present time. We don't allow, we don't just put some in a hat and say, God, you pick out the best one. Some of them might not really be fit, but God knows that, and so he'll pick out the one that is fit. That's not the way to do it. We nominate those that are qualified according to the Bible. And if it's more than we need, we allow God to choose the one for the present time. And that's what they did here. <clears throat> Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. So here, um, the leaders of the church said that uh, we need to have uh, men to, to take care of some of the, the physical needs of, of the church uh, congregations and the church relationships and so forth. And so they said, uh, let's, let's appoint uh, seven deacons for this work. Um, verse 3, look at verse 3 right now, Acts chapter 6. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. That was the process they used at that time. That was the method. I already, we already looked at this passage and saw where there was prayer. Um, Let's just look at verse 7 yet before we look at another passage. Verse 7, the blessing of God upon these people, upon these churches, upon this process, the blessing of God. Verse 7, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, that, that's a blessing of God upon being serious about his work and how it is done and, and working together in a unified way and the ministry, the leadership that were already ordained leading out, as it were. Um, yeah, they did. Leading out uh, and, and, and the people and the, and the leaders together uh, saying a yea and amen to each other and so forth and and God blessed that kind of work. 
course, prayer and so forth. We've already talked about that. But the result is verse 7. Chapter 13. Chapter 13. Now we looked at these verses again, focusing on the prayer and the fasting. But let me just point out just a, a little list of things that was happening here. We're talking about methods and processes now. But in these first four verses of, of, of Acts chapter 13, starting in, in um, beginning of verse 2, they ministered as they ministered unto the Lord, while they were working for God, while they were serving God, while they were serious about church. Okay? While they were giving themselves to the work of the Lord. You know, one could go on and talk about that one a while, but for lack of time, I won't. It's just um, the fact is that they were busy serving the Lord, being serious about the work of the Lord, ministering to the Lord, serving the Lord, together in this. That's, that's one thing that was happening, okay? Um, and then verse 3, they fasted. Verse 3, they prayed. They laid their hands on them. The Holy Spirit was leading. It mentions the Holy Ghost in verse 2. It mentions the Holy Ghost in verse 4. See, this is all working together for, for one end, for one goal. And when, when we work and, and line ourselves with God and His will and His ways and His people, God will bless God will answer our prayer. God will bless his work. Chapter 14, verse 23. It simply uses the word ordain. It doesn't give all the details. It gives little detail. It just says, and when they had ordained. That's 1423. Um Somehow choosing out those that were fit and, and blessing them for the work. The word is simply used ordained here. Let, let's, uh, the, the, my next part of the message will come from the book of Titus anyway, so let's just turn to Titus now, Titus chapter 1, and we have, uh, again, the word ordained used there. Titus in chapter 1. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. Verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So Paul's telling Titus, just, just, just do it, okay? And I'm sure he didn't mean to do it in some haphazard way. The example is already set in the early church, okay? We've looked at that. He's not giving all the details here. He's just saying 
you need to do it. There needs to be leaders. You need to ordain elders in the churches. And so again, we just have the word ordain here. We just read it in, in, in the book of Acts. <clears throat> again, some, um, some other terms can, can be used. Let's look then at the third part of the message. We, we've looked, first of all, at prayer and fasting. Then we've looked at some methods and processes. And now let's look finally at uh, just at one, one passage here for uh, qualifications. And as you know, there are various passages in the New Testament that, um, that speak of some qualifications for church leaders. We'll just look at, at this one quickly here this morning. Here in, in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. We've already read some various uh, titles for church leaders, and I'll just mention some more. The, the New Testament, uh, the King James New Testament, certainly use a, a variety of, of titles for, for church leaders. Uh, of course, when I say church leaders, that's a that's very uh, general, rather general term, but it uses various titles. Uh, it uses the term elder, uh, bishop, uh, presbytery, presbytery uh, overseers. Uh, then uh, you have the word apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So quite a variety of, of uh, titles that are used for, uh, for church leaders. I begin reading now at uh, Titus chapter 1 and uh, in verse 1. I'll just, we'll look at the first nine verses here. Paul, a servant of God and of and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. <clears throat> so he starts this little list of qualifications here. It's, I shouldn't say little. <laughs> he starts this list, I'll just say it that way, of qualifications here, uh, especially in verse 6 or in verse 6. And he uses a, a general term there to begin with, but then gets specific in some things, of course. Verse 6, blameless. Um, 
noted my Bible says uh, above reproach. Uh, just the, the word itself, blameless, means without blame. In other words, you, you, can't, you can't blame him for something bad. Then it says the husband of one wife. Now, why is that there? Um, in, in the time and in some cultures, there was polygamy uh, in some places. Uh, and um, um, I think that's why it's there, because uh, he was saying here, it, it shouldn't be a man that has two wives. Uh, it should be a man that has one wife. <clears throat> and then uh, continuing... Having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly. And for lack of time, we won't turn to it, but you could turn to 1 Timothy 3, and there it talks about that in a little more detail. And he goes on to say, if, if a man can't rule his ho own household, how can he uh, rule, if it used that word, the, the house of God, something like that. You can look that up, 1 Timothy 3, at your own convenience. But anyway, here it just simply says, faithful, having uh, faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Um, <clears throat> respectable children, respectful children, respectable children, faithful children. Moving on to verse uh, 7. For a bishop must be blameless. There it uses that, that word uh, again. Um, as a steward, well, then it uses a phrase right after that, as you see, as the steward of God. In other words, he, he's, a, he's a steward of God. He's responsible to God. Um, and, and in that responsibility, in that stewardship, he should be blameless. He should be a good steward, in other words, uh, of his re calling as God sees it, you see. And then it goes on with some other phrases and words here. <clears throat> not self-willed, uh, not arrogant or, or overbearing or, or selfish. Um, one that <clears throat> is not self-willed is one that would and should listen to others and, and receive from others. You know, not already have it all, all put together in his own head and nobody else can, can change his thinking. That, that would be like self-willed or selfish. But, but open to the, to the input and the thinking of, of others. Not self-willed, the term is used here. Next term it says, not soon angry. Not quick-tempered. Uh, not one to fly off the handle uh, quickly or easily. Then it says... Um, not given to wine. Again, why is that here? Well, we know in, the, in this time and in especially certain cultures, uh, certain geographical regions maybe, uh, uh, certain kinds of wine were, were uh, more of a normal beverage. Um, um, you know, and we won't stand here and talk about this morning and have about how much it's fermented or how much it's not. Uh, that's not the purpose of the message this morning. Um, but uh, given to wine, it, 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 I'm, I'm taking for granted, I believe it's talking about given to wine in such a way that it talks about in other parts of the Bible that, that, that makes one drunk. Or given to wine where, where it's a habit that he can't break. 
where, where wine has a power over him. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's addicted to wine. Uh, that kind of person, he says, no, that we, don't, we, don't, we can't have a preacher that's controlled by drink, not given to wine. Continuing, no striker or uh, uh, not, not, not violent. And then uh, not given to filthy lucre. That is talking about finances and monies. Uh, not um, filthy lucre. In other words, uh, using money uh, or obtaining money, uh, relating to money in, in, in the wrong way. Uh, I think one place it's, it, it, I looked up, it said, not, not greedy for gain, not greedy for gain, uh, or not shameful gain, or not unethical gain. In that way, you might say the money is filthy. And so the term here used in our King James is not filthy lucre. Continuing with the next verse, verse 8. But a lover, so you see, he, he's talking about, he's talked in the negative sense here for these couple of verses. You know, not this way, not this way, not this way, not this way. And then he used the word but, and he's talking about in the positive sense. He's looking at things now in the positive sense. So he says, but a lover of hospitality. You know, sometimes there's, there's men, maybe there's a husband and wife, a couple that, uh, you know, they're, they seem to be so nice and, you know, they're, um, they're so quiet uh, and unavailable that you just take for granted they must be nice, you know. They, they're so quiet and kind of standoffish that you, you can't see them say or do anything wrong because they're just not around or not available or, or you, you can't talk to them. And so it, they must be really nice people. Uh, well... Here it says, they, but a lover, they should be lovers of hospitality. They should be people that, that, that you can talk to, that, that talk to you, that, that make themselves available, that invite you into their home, that enjoy going into other people's homes. And, and, and we are made, by the way, as social beings. And so we need to socialize. And we need to be able to do that so that we can relate to our brothers and sisters well in the church. So it says here, a lover of hospitality. If you want to look that one up some more, do some homework on that little phrase, uh, that might be good. But that's what he's suggesting here for a church leader, a lover of hospitality. And then furthermore in verse 8, um, a lover of good men or a lover of goodness or a lover of, of what is good. Next we have the word sober. It means uh, self-controlled, uh, sound mind, or sober-minded is used in other places. Then we have the word just. That simply means a fair or moral or upright. And then we have the word holy, clean-minded, devout, devout to the things of God. That's holy. And then last in, in verse 8, we have the word temperate. Uh, disciplined, controlled, disciplined in lifestyle. 
Then we have verse 9, holding fast the faithful word. And then it goes on to say that he may be able by sound doctrine. In other words, you see, if he's not well acquainted with the faithful word, if he's not well acquainted with the powerful word, if he don't know how to hold forth the word of God, then how will he be able to exhort when exhortation needs to be? Is he supposed to just exhort out of the smartness of his brain? No, we need to exhort by what it says in the Bible. Um, he may by sound doctrine, you see, do his work. He's not supposed to do his work just out of his worldly wisdom. But he's supposed to do his work with, through sound doctrine. Therefore, he, knows, he needs to know the faithful word and be well equipped and acquainted with the faithful word. Then he can exhort and he can convince the gainsayers. Uh, that means it's a word that we don't use uh, today too much, but maybe more directly from the Greek, it would be a word that's confute. Confute, or that is to prove wrong, or to refute. We use the word refute today sometimes, but it's confute or to, to refute or to prove wrong uh, the gainsayers or the opposition. Well, I'm going to stop. Time is up. Um, but I, I, as I already said or mentioned, um, we have a regularly scheduled district minister's meeting tomorrow evening. We will be talking about some of the details of this process, and I'm sure an announcement will be forthcoming about uh, some of those details. But um, we've looked at the word of God this morning, and, and we've learned that we need to pray and fast as we approach ordination. We, we've noticed uh, there's various methods and processes used, and we've noticed some qualifications for, for church leadership. I would like to just close by um, reading to you uh, a poem. I've never seen it in anything other than, than uh, with music, uh, but uh, I heard a, a men's group sing it one time many years ago back in the 70s when there was a, a service where a man was being installed into leadership. Uh, a men's, I think probably a men's octet sang this, and then I realized I had it in a, in a, in a song book. And so I've, I've known it since that time. But uh, the words are written by one uh, Elizabeth Burroughs. Uh, I have no idea when she lived or, or when she wrote these words, but this is what it says. It's entitled, O God, Send Men. O God, send men whose purpose will not falter, who dare to walk where Christ has set his feet, who know the church as beacon and as altar, where need of men and thine abundance meet. I, I, I have to comment on that little last phrase there. We're, we're talking to God, of course. God send these kind of men. And God, we, we want to, we see the church as a place where the human needs and your abundance meet. That's beautiful. Verse 2. 
not to be served, but ever to be serving, feeding the hunger in the hearts of men, to know the love that waits not man's deserving, giving and giving, but to give again. Verse 3, O God, send men in whom thy heart rejoices, men who have heard the call that makes us free, with eager hearts and jubilating voices, each making answer, here am I, send me. Amen. Let's stand for closing prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we've looked at your word here this morning, and we've seen how you worked in such a wonderful way uh, in the early church. You've given us sufficient guidelines. Uh, you've given us of, of your word, and we thank you and praise you for your your holy inspired word that has been preserved for us down to this day. We thank you for the example of faithful men in the early church and how you blessed their work as they prayed, as they fasted, as they worked in a unified way, as they listened for your Holy Spirit. You blessed them in wonderful ways. Lord, we, we pray to you, we plead with you to bless us in our district in the following weeks as we anticipate the ordaining of two more ministers in, in our district. Lord, we, we lay ourselves before you, we open ourselves up to you for that work, for the good of our churches, and for the good of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.